The WBEN All Local. All Local. A daily look at what's happening in Buffalo, Western New York, and the world. I'm Susan Rose. I'm Brian Mazarowski. The Bills bounced back in a big way from their opening night loss with a dominating 38-10 win over the Raiders. Allen under center, fakes the handoff, going to roll to his left, wide open in the end zone for the touchdown! Dawson Knox! A two-yard touchdown reception for the tight end, who now has a receiving touchdown in each of his last four home games. Josh Allen back on track, completing 31 of 37 pass attempts, 274 yards, and three touchdowns. Honest to God, I didn't see any reaction. I didn't look at anything. I didn't turn on TVs. I didn't, you know, I was just, the thing is with this game, man, it gives you the lowest lows. It gives you the highest highs. But I love feeling how I felt last week. I really do. Because it makes the good feel that much better. You know, it forces us to be better. And I want to be the best I can be playing this game and being the best quarterback I can be for this Buffalo Bills. So, I take the bad with the good. I understand it, and I'm just trying to let it fuel me and use it to, to my benefit. Defense pitching in two, holding Vegas to just 55 rushing yards, 240 yards total on the day. Here's Jordan Poyer. I mean, absolutely. More guys that are able to make plays, shoot, you can argue that on offense, defense, and special teams. More guys that you know are out there making plays for you, the, the better your team's going to be. So when you get you know James Cook getting rolling, Damian Harris rolling, Gabe rolling, Diggs rolling. I mean, who's going to stop that offense, you know? So that's something that we like to feed off of and vice versa. Bills travel next week to take on the now 2-0 and Washington Commanders Sunday at 1. Fans getting accustomed yesterday to a tailgating scene that was a bit more crowded than usual. WBEN's Brayton Wilson was out in the lots. The 2023 season will be the first of three years in Orchard Park that will see Bill's game day experiences altered quite a bit as a result of the construction of a new state-of-the-art football stadium across the street from Highmark Stadium along Abbott Road. Because of the ongoing stadium construction, many lots that once existed are now lost for Bill's fans, forcing a number of changes to the game day experience for many members of Bill's Mafia. As a result, it saw a large number of Bills fans making their way to Orchard Park much earlier than usual, creating some uneasiness about the tailgating experience. I'm not going to lie, we were nervous. Kept me up a little bit, and I, I didn't know uh, after coming here for 10 years, you know, you thought we got right in, and I thought we were going to have a little bit of issues, but it was actually smooth sailing, so it worked out. That was Bills fan Nate from Lewiston. Another big concern heading into Sunday's home opener was parking around the stadium, whether it be the availability of parking or the cost to park in surrounding lots. Some Bills fans were able to get close enough to the stadium and find decent parking, while others like Lane from Adams Center up near Watertown were just fine parking further away to either avoid the higher prices or get easy access out of Orchard Park. We're parked you know, about probably half mile away. It was $30 for parking. Um, we could have parked a lot closer, I guess, but I, I'm hoping for an easy out at the end of the game. So walk a little bit. Maybe we'll get out a little bit sooner. More from Bills fans on Sunday is available for you online. Brayton Wilson, WBEN.com News. Oh, that guy's lucky. $60 uh, for parking is what Ouch. right around the stadium right. was costing. And then even more, a lot of people getting that sticker shock yesterday. And at least one fan tried to get an early look at the new stadium that's under construction. Multiple people reported seeing a fan jump a fence and fall into the pit. <laughs> he needed to be extricated. It's not funny. No word on whether or not he was injured or charged. It's like uh, that Parks and Recreation, if you ever watch that show. It's yes. like the whole premise of the first episode is he falls into the big pit. Right. And uh, they build something on it in place. Well, they're going to do that this time. Uh, we, uh, I saw you shared a photo uh, that yeah. you showed me of kind of everyone. Not a, not a happy first day of... 
I, I saw the alerts uh, go out. It was about five minutes before kickoff. Yeah, it was right. So I don't know if he had a ticket, was confused that it's not open yet. <laughs> right. Maybe um, not. <laughs> I'm supposed to be here. It's the new stadium, right? Everyone's talking yeah. about it. Uh, but anyways, not a great end of the first he home probably, game for that guy. probably didn't get to see the game, right? I'm After that happened. I'm guessing. Um, but if he's in the back of a police car, they probably got it on the radio. That's true. <laughs> The United Auto Workers at the Big Three, their strike is entering its fourth day over higher pay, pension, retirement benefits, to name a few grievances. With the strike comes a new union method to target GM, Ford, and Stellantis, the owner of Chrysler. It's no longer a strike by all workers at all auto plants. It's just targeted action at a few plants. This new way of picketing keeps the paychecks coming for a lot of workers, and saves union strike pay. Elizabeth Schulze has more. Nearly 13,000 of the union's about 146,000 members have walked off the job. As of Friday, they were picketing. They chose to do this in an unprecedented way in that there are three plants that are targeted. They're walking off the job at a few of these select plants in the expectation that it will halt or cripple production at other facilities. But it allows the union to not have all of those workers go on strike at once. Since the strike began, GM announced temporary layoffs of 2,000 non-striking employees. Ford is doing the same to 600. Erie County Executive Candidate Chrissy Casilio took exception this weekend to a comment about the migrant situation made by incumbent County Executive Mark Polencars. Polencars was a guest of Peter Hunt on Our House Saturday right here on WBEN. Because if the federal is not going to take any action, then we have to be able to ensure that locally it's not going to cause any financial constraints to us. And right now it hasn't. I want people to understand that. There has been no financial impact to local government. Casilio said she wants to see proof of no local expenses for migrants. For one, she asks who's covering the costs associated with police and fire emergency calls to hotels housing migrants and who is footing the bill for the migrant children in the schools because it's my understanding that they were told there was not going to be additional funding at least this year in their school budget so um, if he would like to make that claim I encourage him to show us the proof that that is actually the case. More available on this over at WBEN.com. The government is demanding Social Security recipients pay back billions for a mistake made by the agency. Those who have received the demand letter describe it as nothing short of a nightmare. Some Americans who receive Social Security benefits were told to give back tens of thousands of dollars. I'm, I'm so scared. Lori, a former Postal Service employee in Florida, received about $900 a month since 2001. But Social Security wants more than $120,000 back because of a mistake on their end. $121,000 payable in 30 days. Lori says she had to sell her house. That's Rihanna and Ailey reporting. Okay, so uh, that is not a good mix-up to happen, something to keep an eye out for. But these people getting letters, you have to be kind of shocked at what you're getting. And a reversal from Drew Barrymore, the actress and talk show host, now saying she will honor striking writers and halt production of her daytime TV show. Drew Barrymore faced a barrage of criticism after she previously announced that her talk show would resume production without her staff WGA writers, despite their striking the show. In a social media post, she doubled down, saying it was, quote, bigger than me and there are other people's jobs on the line. But the backlash continued. And finally, over the weekend, Barrymore posting on Instagram, 
I have listened to everyone and I am making the decision to pause the show's premiere until the strike is over. I have no words to express my deepest apologies to anyone I have hurt. Dave Packer, ABC News. It's rough news for me. I don't know how I'm going to get my daily <laughs> dose of Drew. <laughs> Your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast. Mostly cloudy with a few showers today. Temperatures in the upper 60s. Tonight, some showers early. Otherwise, skies will clear. Overnight lows near 50. On Tuesday, sunny skies near 70 degrees. Low 70s with sunshine on Wednesday. With your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast, I'm Chief Meteorologist Aaron Minkowski. We'll go to Jeff Gilbert from WWJ in Detroit for the latest on the strike. Hey, Jeff, thanks for being with us this morning. Auto workers walked off the job uh, last week just before uh, Friday hit. And, well, here we are with kind of a different-looking strike. You know, Jeff, here in western New York where we have the auto industry here, we're used to, if this happens, uh, seeing workers out on the picket line, right? Uh, starting the fires right in the, on the street, uh, everyone honking their horns. We're missing that right now in Western New York. It's a different kind of strike. What exactly is the UAW doing? Well, what they're doing is a lot, this allows them to ratchet up the pressure as they can, and you very well may see people on the picket line at your plants there because if they go down, they impact other plants. Right now, the first phase was to take down three pretty similar plants at each of the three car makers, one here in the Detroit area, one in Toledo, one not too far from St. Louis. So those plants went down. They're hurting the car makers by not making some SUVs and pickup trucks, but they're not the most popular products like the big pickup trucks, and they're not parts plants that could shut down other plants. But that still could be yet to come. It is a slow start to the strike. Is that giving the UAW maximum leverage, or do they just like being in this position of keeping everyone guessing? Well, I, I guess I could check all of the above. I mean, it certainly is going to give them leverage, and keeping everyone guessing gives them leverage. Whether it gives them maximum leverage, you know, that'll have to be determined afterwards to figure out, okay, when they have a deal, did this help them get more than they would have gotten otherwise? The... the way that the auto industry is reacting to this i would it ever come to the to a point where they're locking out um workers because of this type of strategy or is that just completely uh, off the table would never happen i won't say it's off the table i think it's something that they don't want to do but uh, as this goes on it's possible that something like that could become something they feel that they need to do. But uh, whenever any auto exec that I've been in any any kind of teleconference or anything else with was asked about layoffs, they just said, we can't comment about that at this time. So uh, it it also is in their interest not to comment and not to say publicly they're taking it off the table or doing it because, you know, they want to keep the union guessing a bit about their tactics, too. So do you expect them to add more plants the longer this goes and here in Western New York, could any of these workers here, Ford and GM workers, be called at a moment's notice to go on strike? Yes and yes. Uh, the union has said that if they don't like the way negotiations are going, they will call more plants out on strike. And you, you can almost uh, expect that, taking a look at what the history has been like. I think it's going to be hard to settle with just the, the one level of the strike. Uh, and in New York, you've got some very strategic plants there. So you know, whether they go out next, whether they go out some, you know, tears down the road or whether they don't go out, that that's hard to tell because the union wants to keep everybody guessing.
You have an auto industry that is, by most accounts, just kind of starting to get back to normal after all these delays uh, due to COVID, right? They were missing parts, uh, real trouble getting production in new cars into dealerships across the country. That was starting to change. Now you have this strike. What is the impact going to be on the auto industry? And I guess how long will it take could it only be a, a couple weeks or something like that before you start to see some major problems again? Well, I don't think it would take that long. And this is not a strike against the auto industry. It's a strike against the domestic car makers. So for them, it makes them even worse. You know, their dealers would run out of products when their competitors like Toyota, Hyundai, Volkswagen, others would, would be pretty in pretty good shape with inventory. So not only would it hurt these car makers, but it would, you know, essentially help their competitors. You know, the strike is against the big three. So if one of them caves to the union demands, do all three. That pretty much is what the union is hoping for. I think, you know, in in the past, they've done what's called pattern bargaining, where they put two car makers aside and try to hone in on a deal with one and pattern it at the other two. If one car maker caves, then essentially they have their pattern and they're going to try and, and keep pressuring the other two until they get that pattern. And and again, there is going to be, you know, competitive pressure on those companies if one one company is settled and two others are on strike. Well, it could be interesting to watch that. I- GM, Ford, Stellantis is one of those three maybe more likely to quote-unquote cave than the other? I wouldn't use the word cave, but I would I would say Ford is probably the most likely of the three to respond to pressure just because they have more workers in the U.S. They have more pressure that could be put upon them. They're in, in a situation where they make all of their big pickup trucks in the U.S., so if those plants were taken down, they'd have nowhere else to, to make their trucks. So the union has more ability to put pressure on Ford. Let's put it that way instead of caving. They can put more pressure on Ford than they can the other two. Jeff, you've covered this auto industry for, for years. How do you see this logjam breaking in these negotiations? What do you see happening? Well, it's hard to predict because we've got such a such you know, people use the word unprecedented, but it truly is. We have a new UAW president with a new strategy who does not seem to be backing off on, on demands that the car companies say would essentially destroy their businesses. So it, at, at this point, you know, somebody's got to give somewhere and it, it, I, I don't see it happening soon. Well, we're hoping it's not uh, too long of a strike and uh, the people aren't out of work for all of uh, that time. But, but, you know, when you look at the industry as a whole, uh, the UAW is hoping for a return of pensions. Uh, given the just the bargaining power of auto workers here in the U.S., is that a realistic ask? I can't say what is or what isn't realistic, but I can tell you the car companies have been trying very hard not to get a return of pensions because it's very expensive for them. They've sweetened 401ks, often to offer to put more money into that, but but none of the car makers have actually offered to bring back pensions just be, because of the expense there. And there is that worry that if a, if a domestic car company is spending too much on labor, 
they cannot afford to match a Tesla or somebody like that. And Tesla is also domestic, so I should say a unionized car company is, is doing that. They, they can't afford to match the competition's prices. And, you know, we, we saw what, what that did to small and mid-sized cars. You know, car makers, American car makers don't make small and mid-sized sedans anymore because they couldn't sell them as inexpensively as their foreign car makers. And they have to make EVs because that's the way the industry is moving. And if they can't sell those as economically as a Tesla or a Rivian, they're in real trouble. Well, Jeff, thanks for joining us this morning. We always learn a lot from you. Jeff Gilbert covers the auto industry for WWJ in Detroit. That's the WBEN All Local. All new episodes are made available each weekday morning, produced by the award-winning WBEN Newsroom.